Welcome to the Heart-Centered Therapist Podcast, the podcast created for you, the therapist who leads with your heart and loves serving your clients. I'm Cindy Gozanski, your host. I know that being a heart-centered therapist is immensely rewarding and powerful and intensely challenging and difficult. We're on this journey together. My mission is to help you continue loving your work as a therapist, surviving being a therapist, and feeling more connected as a therapist. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Heart-Centered Therapist podcast. I'm your host, Cindy Gozanski. Today, I am bringing you a really special interview. I'd like you to meet my guest, Loren Collins, RN. Loren is a registered nurse, certified reflexologist, and mama bear. She's a holistic women's wellness mentor at HerBodySings.com. Her passion is helping women manage PMS and premenstrual anxiety, helping them slow down and heal with holistic and faith-based wellness. Her own wellness journey has been one of many ups and downs from navigating PMDD episodes and anxiety to figuring out what foods to eat when she had gestational diabetes. But through it all, she's learned the beauty and importance of focusing on simple, holistic, and consistent practices to nurture her reproductive health. This approach has allowed her to fully embrace her evolving self, aligning with her deep faith and her greater purpose of supporting other women on their journeys. This episode is going to be just for you women out there, but we want everybody to listen because women's reproductive and menstrual health matters to everybody. And so we're going to get really into details and nitty gritty. And we have a wonderful expert who just has been there and is going to share with us ways to really understand how we can embrace our menstrual health. So welcome, Loren. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. <laughs> Yes, I'm excited to have you too. And so you mentioned that you're in Alberta, Canada. I'm here in Maine, US. So we're at opposite ends of the coasts and it's a fall day. And I'm really glad we're going to talk about this kind of like the seasons of change are upon us. And I think there's a lot about women and how our bodies change that we can talk about today. It's pretty timely. So I love to start with, I ask all of my guests, what does being heart-centered mean to you? Hmm. Yeah, I would say being heart-centered means sticking to the things that bring us joy, that make us feel like ourselves, the things that keep us grounded. Those are all very important. And I would say if you're doing things that aren't consistent with who you are or what you're passionate about or things that bring you joy, then you're not really being heart-centered. And yeah, I think it's a very important thing, especially when it comes to our own wellness, because if we're doing things out of obligation or what we feel others are expecting from us, then we're not going to be, we're not going to be grounded. But when we're able to go back to those things, the basics of who we are and what lights us up, then that really helps us get on track when it comes to our wellness and our own personal journeys. Mm, yes. I love how you bring in the piece about being grounded, but also making sure we're aligned with what lights us up and our joy, because really we are meant for joy. And so often we get caught in the stress of everyday life mm. and we forget about that. 
and we lose sight of that. But I think the fact that we really are meant for joy is important. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And I think if we're not finding those things on a day-to-day basis, then we can get overwhelmed, we can get bogged down. And yeah, so joy is very important in order to keep us centered and eliminate the stress from our lives. Absolutely. Absolutely. So there was a time in in your life where the joy was missing because you had so much anxiety and overwhelm and confusion around symptoms related to premenstrual anxiety, PMDD, and and you're going to, I think you're going to share with us a little what that was like, because it's really informed your work going forward as a nurse and then as a women's wellness mentor. Loren, tell us a little about your journey, what that was like. Yeah. So it started when I got my period when I was 16. And basically I found, this was when I was in high school and I had lots of changes going on, but I found that there were just certain times of the month where life was too overwhelming and there was too much, too much overthinking, too much obsessing about things and the anxiety was just it was just too much <laughs> and yeah that continued for a while and it would get worse at different points in my life when I had different circumstances or life changes and I didn't really fully understand what was all going on but it just felt like at certain points I was a different person and the anxiety and overwhelm were much more heightened. And I do remember when I was in high school, my mom, she was the one who would help bring me back to what exactly was going on. Like she would say, I struggled with this a lot too. When I was growing up, it was always usually around my period, like a week or two before. And so that always was in the back of my head, but it wasn't until 2020 when I found out about premenstrual dysphoric disorder. And I was typing in into Google because I was struggling with so much anxiety during that time. And I just typed in severe anxiety before period. I'm like, what is going on here? And PMDD came up and I had heard about it before, but it hadn't resonated with me at that point. And I think at, at that point in my life, I was just at a wit's end and I was just trying to figure out what I was going to do and how I was going to move forward. And yeah, so PMDD came up and I researched it, read a lot about it, and basically comes down to a much more severe version of PMS, mostly focused around mental health issues. And so more anxiety, a lot of, it's a spectrum. So a lot of women will struggle with in different ways. And so for me, it was the anxiety, it was paranoia. There were definitely moments of struggling with not active suicidal ideations, but just thoughts of what am I doing here? What is going on? I never had a plan, but it was definitely on my mind. And that was, yeah, that was overwhelming in and of itself. Oh, yeah. So oh, I talked with a doctor about it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think that's just what it is. It's just this whirlwind. I call it a mental tornado in your head where you just feel so chaotic. You feel like you can't think straight. And so I knew I needed help at this point. And so I talked with a doctor and just told her all of the symptoms and said, this is what's going on. And and she basically said, yep, you got it, PMDD. <laughs> and 
from there, it was like having a guidebook. It was like, okay, this is what I have. Okay, I can figure it out. How can I figure this out with my cycle? It's not just this like ambiguous issue that's going on. It's yeah. So that was super helpful to get that diagnosis. And then from there, I was able to create a plan for myself and figure out what worked for me, what didn't work for me and move forward with a bit more clarity on my wellness journey. Mm. Wow. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing so vulnerably. We're just starting about your story and there's so much pain and rawness that you're open about. And I really acknowledge you for that because I know it's going to help other people and other listeners. You said you got your period when you were 16 and anybody else who's listening to this, who has, who is young themselves or has young daughters or is still experiencing these symptoms that you describe. And I love that um, label, the mental tornado feels like a mental tornado and that the really difficult times of you having like even suicidal thoughts or paranoia or anxiety and depression and just that swirl, like it's just so much. And I really hear that getting the PMDD diagnosis from your doctor was a relief because you said gave you a guide. Yeah. It was, I think her exact words were you hit the hammer on the nail or something like that, that it was just Ah, like, yeah, yeah. no, this is exactly what it is. Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going crazy. There's a a real condition here. And yet the main thing that I'm interested in, I heard you say is then I figured out I would have a plan and I could work with my cycle. And I think so Mm -hmm. many women don't want to work with their cycle. They don't want to work with their body. They instead Mm -hmm. like separate from their body or, and so you somehow had this enlightened sense that in order to work through this and find wellness, it's going to be me and my body and some other things, (laughs) some spiritual and physiological and holistic practices. Exactly. Yeah. So what was that, that next phase like in terms of coming up with some coping strategies that you found helpful for yourself before we talk about like how you're helping other women and and that sort of thing? What what was helpful Mm -hmm. for you? Yeah. Yeah. It was tricky because I was still doing night shifts as a nurse. And that was one of the big stressors as well at that time was just switching to a new area of nursing. So I was in labor and delivery nursing and that job in itself is pretty intense sometimes. (laughs) And, but I found here you are having women's issues, right? Having menstrual health issues and working as a labor and delivery nurse on the third shift. Whoa. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I know it's, yeah, it's a paradox for sure. And Mm -hmm. ironic, but yeah, it was, um, this is a bit of a side note too, but it's, I, I think a huge trigger for me that I found even postpartum after having my daughter seven months ago was sleep deprivation. And my anxiety just goes through the roof when I don't get enough sleep. And I found that with the night shifts that was like, I was fine during the shift, but then the next couple of days or recovering from that set of shifts always was a bit of a, that was the hard part. So I found, and these were like the beginning stages of being diagnosed with PMDD. And so I found getting outside was really helpful. That was something that I tried to do. And it's something now that I 
I do pretty much every day with my daughter. We go outside, we get fresh air. When I found out I had PMDD, that was not something I did every day, but I slowly learned how to integrate it into my life. Being active and being outside has been my medicine, if you will. So yeah, just getting that vitamin D, getting that sunlight, getting fresh air, moving. And it's so funny because yeah, I think of, I'm naming all these things to you now. And I know back then I wasn't consistent. I wasn't good with these practices. And now I look at myself now three years, three plus years into it and having gone through pregnancy and now postpartum. And it's amazing how integrating certain habits into your day, day-to-day routine will suddenly just build up. And then you look back and you think, wow, I'm a, I'm a different person with the habits that I have formed now from when I first found out about this diagnosis or when I first started on that journey. And I think that's the key. hundred percent. That is such a key. This might be a good segue, but exactly. Yeah. yeah. And it's so hard to think when you're at that, when you're at that junction and you find you get the diagnosis and you're not prepared for it and you suddenly are like, okay, how am I going to change my life? How am I going to do this? And we can get so hard on ourselves and feel like we don't have the capacity. And I agree. It's just, it's overwhelming. It's hard. It's just a jolt to your life. But yeah, consistency, I would say has been, has been huge in my life (laughs) and it's been huge in my wellness journey. And it comes down to the basics of are you getting outside? Are you moving? Are you in my life? It's, are you spending time with God? Are you listening to what God says about you? Are you eating? (laughs) Are you drinking water? All these kind of checklist things that I have to go through every day just to make sure I'm still on track and still focusing on my goals. Yeah. Yeah. And that consistency keeps you closer to your goals. And I just, I love how what nourishes you and what you need for your wellness journey. And you include that. And just mm-hmm. going back to what you said, like at the beginning, when you were first diagnosed with PMDD, you didn't go outside every day. And now you do with your baby, whether she mm-hmm. wants to or not. And congratulations, you have a seven month old <laughs> daughter. That's so wonderful. And you're really coming you. through yeah. this journey. So much, so much joy. Yeah. And so Mm -hmm. this consistency and looking at it and saying, if we do this, it's for our, it's for our like future selves, right? Our, our self right now is, yeah, no, I don't really know if I want to get up tomorrow morning and take my vitamins and go for a walk and pray and do all these things. And yet if we can do this for our future self and building that consistency, it's gold. It really is. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I think in those moments. When the mental tornado comes, it's so hard to think through doing all those things, right? It's hard to be consistent when all you want to do is hide under your duvet or go sit. I, I often talk about this in my web on my website, just sitting on the floor of the shower and just like ugh, just in a puddle, a mess. <laughs> but yeah. that's all you want to do. And but if we're able to integrate those habits into our day-to-day lives when we're doing well, when we're feeling good, and that's the key to understanding our menstrual cycles too, then it's going to be that much easier to choose wellness when we're not, when we're not feeling up to it, when we just don't have the capacity to choose those things. Yeah, that's really beautifully said. And I encourage 
my listeners to check out your website, which you just mentioned, because Loren has some beautifully written blogs and so much to offer. It's herbodysings.com. We'll be sure to link to it in the show notes. While you're listening, take a look and bookmark some of those blogs because they're really good. And she's a beautiful writer. As you talk about this, you said you were working the, the night shift and you were in labor and delivery and it was really hard and stressful. And you started implementing some of these practices. And then did you shift in your work or did things like, how did things start to really improve and shift for you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I worked in labor and delivery for two years and then my husband and I moved to a new city and I switched to a different job and it was still a nursing job, but it was during the day, no night shifts, no evenings, just consistent, like Monday to Friday kind of deal. Um, So that was a really big uh, shifter for me, just not doing night shifts anymore. And we moved to a sunnier place in Canada as well, which really helped. Yeah, I wanted to highlight what you were saying about the night shift, because I think at the beginning you said, oh, this is a side note, and it really is not. I've worked with several clients who've worked third shift, the night shift, and if you have any kind of mental health issues at all, depression, anxiety, not to mention physical symptoms, like if you were to have diabetes or something like that, it worsens everything. It worsens whatever happens with our biological clock and our chemistry, but I've really seen it, especially with folks that have anxiety, working the night shift can be like not the best. It really can be detrimental. And then eventually when they shift back into a daytime routine with some consistency, like you just said, you're working five days and then there was sun, it was so much better. And I think that's great. You figured that out and we're able to do that, right? Not everybody can change their shift, but again, this is because we're talking about understanding our bodies and our cycles and wellness. Would you agree? That's part of it, like the whole cyclical part of our physiology. Yes, definitely. I think especially for us as women, we are not linear creatures. (laughs) We are cyclical every month and we're so different in that way than men. (laughs) And I think instead of seeing it as a negative thing, I think there's a lot of opportunity for thriving by connecting with our menstrual cycles, by being aware of exactly how we're doing and how we're thriving in each phase of our cycle as well. Yeah. And that our cycles aren't just about bleeding and PMS, like there's so much bigger than that. And I think there's so much opportunity that a lot of women do miss out on when they aren't optimizing and syncing with their menstrual cycles. So Loren, let's dive into what you were just talking about, that menstrual health goes beyond the physical aspects. And you say on your website, and I quote, menstrual health isn't just about blood, PMS, mood swings, and pain right? That there are phases that include energy and creativity and reflection and slowing down. You talk about three myths of menstrual health. And so the first myth is that it isn't just that it's all about blood, right? That's the first myth. So let's debunk that and tell us a little about even describing the cycles and how do you see this menstrual health? Yeah. So Our cycles begin with the period, 
And a lot of women think that's actually the end of their cycle, but that's the beginning. That's the reboot. But the period is the time of grieving, of release. And then we move to the follicular phase. That's the second part. And that's when energy levels are increasing and estrogen is also increasing and helping with stabilizing our mood. And so even in that phase, that's a phase of creativity and production. And for most women, that is when they feel the best. They feel they can optimize their energy. They can push themselves. They are happier and it just keeps getting better. And then ovulation is most of the time uh, in the middle of the cycle uh, around day 14, but menstrual cycles aren't they're not textbook savvy, mm-hmm. so they can be longer, they can be shorter, but ovulation is the peak of the estrogen. And that's the big one, <laughs> if you will, when mm-hmm. estrogen has reached its peak and you're just feeling confident, you're feeling strong and productive, like I had said before. And then things go down from there in terms of hormones and you get into the luteal phase. And that's when estrogen has dropped and hormones are leveling off a bit more. And this is when you see a lot of the premenstrual symptoms coming up. So Mm. physical things such as more bloating, some pain and mental health, mood swings. And for a lot of women who have phase, that's when they're going to see the anxiety or the overwhelm or the paranoia. And with women who have PMDD, that is a bit more of an intense PMS period where it's not necessarily an imbalance of hormones, but it's a sensitivity in the brain to those hormones. And so things are going to be a lot more heightened in terms of those mental health issues. So for myself, that included a lot of anxiety and paranoia and the occasional suicidal ideation. And for some women, that's extreme rage, that's suicidal thinking all the time, And I think that's the thing for women too, is that maybe their symptoms aren't as bad as the next woman. And so they think, oh, I probably don't have that because I've never felt rage or I've never thought about hurting myself or, but it's a spectrum. And I think if we can normalize it more and more, then we can see for ourselves that, okay, I might, it might not be as extreme as this lady symptoms, but my symptoms still correlate to this list or to what is going on. And so there's still opportunity for honoring where every woman is on her journey. And then that's the conclusion of the menstrual cycle. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wonderful. We were joking about it, but I was like, oh, I thought the period was the end. <laughs> and so it's, <laughs> yeah. it's really good even for women to get this information and really understand when we have this awareness that these cycles are linked with different kind of energies, as you describe it, there's at sometimes a sense of creativity, other times a sense of confidence, other times that sense of like receptivity. And then you're, then your energy dropping a little bit and you're in a different place. So becoming aware of our cycles and these kind of energetic shifts. That's something that you really think is important for women because then we see our periods, our menstrual health connected 
to like our whole being. It's like more of a holistic connection. Am I getting it? It's like more connected to our whole selves and different parts of us, not just the physiology of ovulating, having a period or becoming pregnant. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And from a faith perspective too, I think there's different ways that women can respond in their relationship with God in each of the different phases. I'm hoping to write a blog post about that and do a podcast episode just about that too, that there's there's such an opportunity for connecting with God through your menstrual cycle, which I feel like up until I figured that out, I had no no concept of that. And so I think that's also a really cool way to be thinking about it too. But I exactly like you said, it's a holistic way of thinking of it in the sense of your body, your mind, your energy, your creativity, how you engage with other people. So there's opportunity for extroverts and introverts (laughs) for getting yourself out there, but also retreating and restoring your wellness just by being by yourself and maybe journaling more or having a bit more solitude than if you were to be out all the time with other people. Mm. And there's so many books about this as well. And one of them is called The Fifth Vital Sign. And basically, I don't remember the author's name. It's on my phone, but she's basically saying that if there's something going on with your menstrual cycle, that is an indication that there's something going on in your life that needs to change, that mm-hmm. it, our menstrual cycles are our guides. They're telling us when we need to pull back, when we need to change something, when we need to add something in. So it's going on with our bodies and our menstrual cycles so that we can take that step back and think, okay, what do I need to change in my life in order to be more well and understand myself better. Yeah, that makes so much sense. And I think a lot of us are aware when something is going wrong with your menstrual cycle or you're not getting your period or thinking of so many young female athletes who are on sports teams and push their bodies and delay or stall their periods and all of those things. Besides that, what I think is really highlighted by you, Loren, is this sense of if we're more aware of these cycles and the energies and the phases, then we can also be more aware of our emotions and what we want to do with that and do with that time in our life. And so if we're in that place where, hey, we know this is when we're in a more creative time, more creative phase, why not work on some of those projects or focus on those goals that require more creativity or the some of the other phases that you were talking about? It really seems like it could bring us back to ourselves. And then if like you are faith-based and if you can work that in, that only compounds like our experience of, of life and trying to find that joy, because I could see no wonder people would get really upset with their bodies and maybe upset with God when they're having pain and they're having just all kinds of terrible symptoms. And what's the point? And So you're really looking at this from a different lens. Yeah, definitely. And I think our society, it it doesn't compute with that way of thinking because often we're just so productivity driven and it's go and in a way it's a man's world and men don't have menstrual cycles. (laughs) And I think if we're able to reorient our thinking, not from 
that push, push, go produce. And it's just up from there, but seeing it more as the ebbs and the flows and this season or this phase in my cycle in this month is a time of pulling back and really learning more about myself, recharging. And then, oh, here we are again in the follicular phase. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to push harder and I'm going to optimize this, but our society doesn't like that. (laughs) And I remember doing some more research about countries that would offer women menstrual health days. And I just thought that was the most beautiful thing I'd ever heard (laughs) (laughs) that you are not expected to perform at your optimal when you are either in your premenstrual phase or in your period phase and just take a day off and reset and come back tomorrow after having a bath, some ginger tea, going for a nice walk, all of those kind of things. So Western culture is not likely going to let go of production and honor women's bodies. We've seen, unfortunately, too little of that. But you really, you touch on a couple myths that the the Mm -hmm. last two myths, we glossed over them with this last bit. And so the first is men don't, don't get their periods, right? But one of the myths is menstrual health is only a women's topic. And it's not, you're saying it is important for menstrual health to be seen and understood by not just women. Yeah. And I think you see it in relationships as well, especially with some women who have struggled with PMDD and they see themselves as totally different in that premenstrual phase and their partners see them as different as well, that they're more on edge. They might be more irritable, more easily annoyed, just all these things in the relationship. It's different than in other phases of their menstrual cycle. And so I think even if men are able to understand the different phases and understand what PMDD is or PMS, and and it doesn't have to be a whole thing of, oh, she's just moody, I leave her alone. But how can a man and a woman in a relationship just communicate with each other and offer grace and compassion to one another from both sides? Because I don't think... Women have just the Gomez or in their PMDD. I don't think it necessarily comes down to that. But how can we learn to understand each other more and communicate more openly? And I think a big part of PMDD comes to just comes down to acknowledging and saying, okay, I I get that you're struggling right now. How can I support you? How can I be there for you during this time? What do you need? What do you not need? And I think that's a big part of mental illness and PMDD and women's journeys is just the validation that says, I see you, I love you, I know you, we're going to get through this together. It's never just a woman's issue because often so many of these things spill over and affect other relationships and affect, we had talked about before, affect our work. And if we're not aware of how these things are impacting us, then there will be conflict. There will be miscommunication. There will be missing parts to the puzzle. Yeah. And it's great if we can share with our partners and have a compassionate, empathetic response. And that's going to take some time because there's such a like enculturated stigma about, oh, she's on her period or she's moody or she's PMS. And it's this stigmatized label. And we really need to change that language and 
unpack that so people will see instead of saying, I've heard this and it's so hurtful when people are like, she just needs to take some meds or she just needs to figure it out when she's PMS or on her period, like what she's the one that needs to do the work. And this is a system. We're still in a system of relationships and having that understanding could go really far. Loren, tell us a little about the second myth that we skipped over, but you were talking about that go and productivity. And a lot of people think menstrual health is just about getting pregnant. And you're saying, no, that's a myth. And Mm -hmm. what happens when we even move beyond our reproductive um, life cycle, right? And so there's something about women who still contain these phases in their body, right? So mental health is more than just about getting pregnant. Tell us about that. I think the term that I really quite enjoy is womb wellness. And a lot of women just associate the womb as a place for a baby to grow. And I don't want to, I don't want to make that small either. Like that that the uterus is a beautiful organ that is just amazing and has the capacity to hold babies and to birth babies. And I feel like that's just a whole podcast. Absolutely. Womb wellness. And and so I, I love what you're saying, right? That there is this amazing capacity for women and their uterus and what a blessing it is that we have this ability to reproduce, right? That's such a blessing and such a gift. And yet you're also saying womb wellness can be also something else besides just babies, not to diminish that, Mm -hmm. but to expand upon it. So share a little with my listeners what that expansion looks like. Yeah, I think it, it goes so much more beyond just about reproduction, but I, I like to ask people that doesn't mean birthing a baby, but what create a project or what business or what is it that is birthing within you? What joyful thing is it that you are being led to bring into the world? And that could be when a woman is 20 and doesn't intend to have babies until she's 30, or maybe she doesn't have any intention of having a baby and and that still okay. And she can still sync with her menstrual cycle and still use it to, uh, to flourish and to be the creative person that she wants to be, but then also be the woman who flows with her flow, if you will. And then afterwards too, like when a woman is done her menstrual cycle and she's moving into perimenopause and menopause, there is still so much stuff that women can do for their wombs that might not have anything to do with their menstrual cycle at that point. But there's even just thinking about how women can sync with the seasons in life or seasons like fall, winter, spring, summer. And those hold a lot of energetic and creative opportunity as well. And so even if you're not um, menstruating anymore or going through your menstrual cycle, you can still go through this cycle living or cyclical living of producing and then retreating or solitude and still take care of yourself. So there's Mm -hmm. so much beauty of just general womb wellness and general looking after yourself and different practices and 
tips that you can do that optimize your reproductive health in general, and not just for the purpose of fertility or reproduction, but just for optimal health. Because I feel like when our reproductive health is optimized and thriving, then that ties in with other areas of our health as well. Oh, that's so encouraging. And I know a lot of our listeners, my listeners here from different age groups, like it's helpful for me as somebody in the menopausal phase to look at this with fresh eyes, right? Like that sense of maybe I can align with the seasons. Maybe I can be still aware of my femininity and my female cycle and power and connection. And I think a lot of times we feel like maybe society just thinks, oh, you're not worth anything anymore. You're done. Let's just discard you. And we internalize that, right? Because we're so acculturated. So having this reminder through your amazing work of pursuing our life, our fertility, but beyond that, our creativity, and then also our periods of reflection and slowness and welcoming in that grace at every step. I think what you're sharing with women, womb wellness is so beautiful. And I'm really glad to know that you're also going to start a podcast, Loren. That's so exciting. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be coming up in the next probably month, two months. Mm -hmm. And it's really going to be centered around premenstrual anxiety. And then from there, that expands to menstrual cycle sinking and figuring out foods and to be with God and all these things that you think about throughout all of the cycle. And, but then, yeah, specifically working through premenstrual anxiety and really just creating a space for women to be able to come a gentle, I, I like to say a gentle space for women to land when they're in that mental tornado state or survival state in the midst of premenstrual anxiety or PMDD. Yeah, that's so important. And that place for women to land, it's gentle, which brings me to another topic that I think is related to you putting out a podcast and continuing this work. How important do you think it is for women to have supportive community, right? Supportive community and connection when they're navigating menstrual health challenges and maybe even through your own experience what what was important about support yeah i think it's vital um that women are able to find a community or a place to to seek out the help that they need to seek out the validation and the affirmation and just to know that they're not alone and they're not crazy and they are seen and known that was huge for me on my own journey to know, yeah, just like what I said, I was not crazy. <laughs> I think a lot of women are constantly questioning themselves and wondering what the heck is going on with their bodies and their minds. And then the next week they're fine and they think, what is happening to me? So when we can share our stories and hear from other women who have gone before us, who have figured things out, maybe just uh, two steps ahead of us, but they can say, Hey, I've tried this or try this, or you're not alone. I keep going. I know that's been prevalent for me on my postpartum 
journey as well. And when I found out I had gestational diabetes, it was always reaching out to the other women who had gone through it before me and just their comforting words of, you're not a failure, you're not alone, you're doing good. And just hearing that was really what changed things and changed perspectives. And I think that's what we need to do as women, especially because we can get so caught up in comparison and jealousy and thinking that, oh, this other woman has it together. And yet here I am fumbling through life, stumbling, I'm failing, like I'm not doing things right. And when we can be vulnerable and authentic with one another, I think that's where real change starts to happen. Yeah. That's so important. And you're echoing one of my recent guests. You can check out episode 50 with Andrea Berkeley. And she was talking about that very same journey of postpartum depression and thinking she had done something wrong and failed her baby and failed everything. And so that's, there's just another layer if, if you'd like to listen to that. But yeah, I think that Loren, that's so important to have places where you can talk about these things because it's almost hidden, right? Like here we are on a podcast. You're going to start your own podcast, but I invited you on to talk about menstrual health and we're talking about blood and periods and and all of that. It's almost like taboo, right? And then you also talk about your faith and your connection to God. And sometimes that doesn't even feel like it's okay to talk about out loud. And yet you do that. And so you keep bringing yourself and your vulnerability out there for people. And what inspires you to keep sharing so openly about your personal recovery journey? I think what keeps spurring me on is when women message me and say, hey, the things that you're saying, I think I have this, or like, where can I find more information about this? This seems so spot on for me. And people say, yeah, this is happening with me. And I... The last three years of starting for body things has been up and down and all over the place, especially with pregnancy and now having a baby. And it's just life though. And that's right. just how things go. But it just, I just keep coming back to these things. And I do believe it's just God saying, you have to talk about this. Like I'm giving you <laughs> this on your heart. You need wow. to get it out there. And I also, um, I also just think it's, it's something that so many women struggle with and so many women feel that they're alone in it. And once they are able to hear that book or, or see that story or read it and they think, oh, wow, okay, someone else has that same issue and I want to learn more about this. And then it comes back to that connection and just that, uh, that authenticity as women that it's okay to struggle and it's okay to not have it all figured out. And it's good for us to build connection with one another and to, to say, Hey, I've been there and let's figure this out together. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'd say that's what kind of keeps me going. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's great. And I really hear that it's become such a fulfilling purpose for you. Like when you get these messages, you're there to serve these women, to share your experience and God put this on your heart and like put you through this journey. And that's really powerful. I just, I love that you are taking this like seriously and 
helping so many other women and there's so many more women that you have to help. And even then thinking you have a seven month old daughter and now you're going to be able to like model for her something so different than you received, which is really beautiful too. I'm so excited about mentoring my daughter with these things and just being aware of how, as she grows up, seeing how she does with her menstrual cycle and just being a support for her too. I'm really hoping and praying that I can be that for her as she grows up. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. And even that, as we wrap up here, that's such a positive energy about thinking about your daughter entering her menstrual cycle period, right? That that reproductive health period, a phase of her life and being excited for it. Like not everybody is like, you, you look at it with this, oh no. And instead you're bringing this positive energy because you've created much more holistic way to view it. That's holistic and spiritual and physical. It's like everything. So thank you for sharing this perspective and thank you for your time and your expertise, Loren. This is great. So tell everybody where they can find you and your website and yeah. Yeah. So my business is Her Body Sings. So that's www.herbodysings.com. And I'm also on Instagram at Her Body Sings. And like we've talked about, I'm going to be starting a podcast soon all around menstrual anxiety solutions. So holistic and faith-based wellness for women with premenstrual anxiety. And I'm really excited about that. That's going to be a really cool opportunity and place for women to hang out. And so I would say the first thing you can do is just head over to my website. And I do have a guide for balancing your hormones, which isn't necessarily my focus long-term, but that's what my website says right now. Um, That's not going to be available for much longer, that 10 10 ways to balance your hormones naturally. So you can always grab that guide and get on my email list and just get get in the know about things that are coming up and the podcast, especially when that begins. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And we might even be able to backlink to your podcast once it comes out in the show notes, because podcasts are like blogs, like they exist forever. So that's really great. And I I really encourage my listeners to actually check out the freebie you have, the 10 simple holistic ways to balance your hormones, because you really share about the womb wellness in there. And even if somebody just reads that part of like, also, I don't know, there's almost like a meditative practice or a somatic practice about women getting in touch with their womb and their physical body and that space. It's really beautiful. So please check it out. Check out her whole website and her blog. It's wonderful. And Loren, thank you so much. Please keep doing this work because you are needed by all of us, men and women. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for the opportunity to be on here and talk about my my journey. It's been really beautiful. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks. Loren's work is just at the heart of what is so important for women. Looking at our wellness from a wholehearted perspective, physical, emotional, and spiritual, And I just wanted to share a couple takeaways that I think are really important that we forget because we don't talk about menstrual health enough and how we can nurture our reproductive health. We think we do, but we don't. 
The first myth is that menstrual health isn't just about the physical things. It's not just about PMS and bleeding and mood swings and pain, but it's about creativity and balance and steadiness and having cycles that don't keep us in perpetual states of only giving or only receiving. And the second myth is that menstrual health is not just about getting pregnant. Yes, it's a blessing to reproduce for some, but maybe fertility and creating life goes beyond just reproduction and looking at ways that we can remind ourselves that we are connected with cycles even bigger than ourselves that can help us to slow down, to reflect, to be creative, to turn inwards, to turn outwards, all of those things. And then the third myth is that menstrual health is just for women. And that's not true. It is something that is important to everybody. And the more we can reduce the stigma about how women are seen when they're experiencing issues and symptoms around their cycles, the more we're going to have compassion and empathy and really greater understanding. And that's so important. So thank you so much for listening. If you did, take a screenshot and share it on Instagram and tag me at Heart Centered Therapist. And until then, I'll see you next week and stay heart centered. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, I invite you to subscribe and leave a rating or review. It really helps other people find this podcast. Be sure to check out the show notes for all the links and resources mentioned. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.